You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Bill Stutz elects political candidates. He basically keeps his pulse on all the data, AI to interpret the data. What do voters, what do the people of America, what are they up to? What do they want to hear? What's going on in the economy? Why aren't people working? What's going on with the supply chain? What are people worried about? And what are people thinking in terms of the 2024 presidential election? We're going to start gaming. What's going to happen on in 2024? And, and we're going to talk about what's happening in the economy now. But first, I wanted to talk to Bill about an issue very personal to him. He had a moonshot. So in other words, he found out 10 years ago he was going to lose his esophagus. And it was a chronic disease that was never going to get better. It was only going to get worse. So part one is not only how he began to cure his disease and whether or not this cure is working and everyone told him it was impossible, but just in general, what is a moonshot? Why should you do it? How you should approach it? And why it's a good thing for your life? All with Phil Stutz. So, Phil, how, how are things going? Well, we have a couple things to discuss. Yes. Uh, topics for you. But, and we're recording all this because I want to discuss the discussion of topics. But I want to also ask you about your health. Like, how's your throat? Why don't we wait and t- why don't you ask me on, on live on the pod? I, we're, we're recording right now. I am asking <laughs> Are we already going? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all my conversations with human beings now are recorded. I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. So this is how we're going to start. Yeah. All right. So um, I I would advise the listener to go back and listen to past episodes. Maybe in the first one I was on, which was in uh, December of 2018 or 19. Well, I know in 2020, I don't know if we discussed it on the podcast or like right afterwards when we were in my apartment, but you were about to have surgery on your throat. Yeah. So I have a, I'll make it really quick. I have a esophageal disease. It's um. It's called achalasia. It's uh, basically the nerves and the muscle in my esophagus have died. The doctors believe it was an autoimmune response to maybe poor diet, a gut gut you know attack on on my body, and it focused in on the esophagus. Anyway, it killed it, and it never it will never work again, according to doctors. And so, about five well, yeah, in in, in February of 2017, I'd had the disease for about six years. I'd never done anything about it, but I was at a uh, a conference that Peter Diamandis runs, his mastermind called Abundance 360. And he got on stage and he told everybody to take a moonshot. You know, moonshot is something that people say is impossible and you'll make possible. And I wrote down in my notebook, uh, I'll find a cure to this disease in five years. Now, never been a cure. 
affects about one out of 100,000 people. Uh, most of those people are in their 70s and 80s. You know, I'm in my, I was in my late 30s when I was diagnosed. I'm 47 now. And when it, you were diagnosed then, but when do you think you, was the onset of the illness? Probably years before. Just, you know, obviously you can't yeah. tell because yeah. it's inside your body. So do, 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 do you have, does your throat hurt a lot when you talk? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, okay. it, it, it doesn't affect my throat. It, it affects my ability to eat food. Um, and the fact that I have a lot of issues in the esophagus because food lodges in there. And even when I drink water and push it down, it stays in there and it ferments and it erodes. And So it's not like smoothies help. Smoothies are fine. They're easier. But, you know, hard, any other kind of food is hard to, to eat. But um, anyway, and so... The doctors basically have given me about a, this is in 2006, six, no, 2015, they told me I basically had about five to 10 years before I needed to have a feeding tube or removal of the esophagus, an esophagectomy. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it's not my voice, it's the removal of my esophagus. They would connect, try to connect my stomach to my throat. Um, and at that point, I'd probably have a feeding tube in addition to be able to, you know, consume liquids, things like that. So it's pretty dire. Can I ask some questions? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're uh, we're just brainstorming here. Yeah. So yeah, first yeah. off, in the when they remove the esophagus, can they do something like, you know, how they did with it, with um, polio victims where polio affected the lung? They gave them an iron lung. Can you get like an iron esophagus or like even a plastic esophagus to connect the the throat or whatever to the stomach. Yeah, I think that's where it's going. I think it's actually 3D printing appendages. I think mm-hmm. that that'll happen, not for maybe esophag- uh, an esophagus, but I think it's going to happen with livers and kidneys in the next five to 10 years. So those seem more difficult than the esophagus, to be honest, because the esophagus mm-hmm. is just a transport mechanism, whereas mm-hmm. the liver and the kidney actually do things. Mm-hmm. So, I, know. I mean, the esophagus is involved in digestion, but not as much as the liver and the kidney. So, right. So that's why maybe is it because that this is not a common illness, that they don't focus on that or? Yeah, yeah, it's such rare diseases get very little, little so, attention. So, so I'm saying this could be your moonshot. Like, why don't you create the esophagus that they put in you? Well, because I've worked on another project. And if you'll let me finish my damn story. All right, all right. I'm just, I'm just brainstorming, trying to help. <laughs> no, I know, I appreciate it. I'm just messing with you. But listen, so anyway, I wrote this article in Inc. Magazine in February of 2017, and I basically proclaimed I would find a cure to this disease in five years because Peter Diamandis told me to take my moonshot, and that was what I was determined it would be. Um, a researcher in the disease found, uh, got a Google alert, found the article, got reached out to me, told me I was in... Uh, was crazy that, you know, there was no cure. But she said, there's a doctor at Johns Hopkins, you should probably talk to him. And so I did. They introduced us. He said, well, I want to find a, a cure to this disease too. Let's let's work on it together. Long story short, we had, uh, f- you know, basically years and years of ideas put in implementation, team of around 35 to 40 people around me right now. The path we went on was, uh, had to be approved by the FDA, by the internal review board at Johns Hopkins, it took years to do that. But in September of 2019, they extracted uh, stem cells out of my thigh muscle, my own stem cells, and then they grew them in a lab. And then right before the pandemic in February 2020, the date you were just talking about where we were together. Yeah. And I was, you know, either, I can't remember, I think I I, I was going to do it or I just finished. But they, bas- do it. they, they basically um, injected 225 million stem cells um, into my esophagus for and, and with the hopes of trying to 
regrow the muscle and get it functioning again. Uh, I've since learned, I actually had a conversation with Tony Robbins recently about this, that typically when you do stem cell injections, it's it's about 100 million, not, it's a, we did a very large dose. Mm -hmm. And um, why does he know? Well, he's had a lot of stem cell work. Because of what he has, he has that growth thing going he, on. He's got spinal issues, shoulder issues. He's got uh, other things that that he's utilized um, stem cells on. So, anyway, but um, you know, the pandemic hit, and I couldn't go back to Hopkins to see what what would have happened. They, they and they basically said, "Don't expect anything for eight to twelve weeks," and then after that, you know, we think that you know you may see something. Now, this procedure that they did to me has never been done on a human being ever. That's never been done on an animal. The only theory. Well, let, let, can the can only I back theory, up and ask a question about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea is, stem cells are basically, you know, somewhat like cells from a fetus. Like these are cells that don't yet, they haven't yet been told what to do. And the idea is, you inject them into the body, and depending on what part of the body. Um, uh, they're injected into, it's sort of like the cliche, you're the average of the five people you spend your time with. A stem cell becomes the average of the five cells it spends its time with. If it's around your esophageal uh, nerve cells, it'll become right. programmed with the epigenetics of the nerve cells in the esophagus. Correct. The reason that they went and did skeletal stem cells instead of fat stem cells or placental stem cells, for me, they, did, they, they pulled muscle out of my thigh and used those stem cells because it mimics the smooth muscle in the esophagus. And although that's never been done on a human being, what was done to me, they have uh, done this exact procedure on pigs that had incontinence issues. So they couldn't push their poop out, so to speak. So they injected this skeletal stem cell into the, you know, I guess the anal region or muscle of a, a pig, and it seemed to work. That was the only basis they had to go off what they proposed for me. I was not, I'm not in a clinical trial. I'm in a compassionate use case, which is like a few steps before even they'd start a clinical trial. In some sense, you're almost lucky this is a rare disease because they probably really can't do a clinical trial for your disease. Yeah, right. So we just don't know that could be a good, you could get a good result, you could get a horrible result. We just don't know. I mean, there's a lot of you, risk. You could turn into it. a pig's ass. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that would be even worse. And the other thing is I had to fund this out of my own pocket because obviously there's no healthcare that is going to cover this procedure, right? Can I ask how much it costs? A lot. Well, I would wonder why healthcare, <laughs> why insurance wouldn't pay for it because you're, the use of you with a feeding tube for the rest of your life is going to cost them a that's, lot more. That's than not how the procedure. healthcare system works, I've learned. I understand, yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry about that. That's okay. So... Uh, back to the story. So we, when I saw you, I was heading over to do this. I did 225 million stem cells into my esophagus. They actually injected it into the region of my esophagus that had had a lot of erosion, muscle erosion, um, with the hope that it would build in, build back into muscle. So after a few months, I couldn't go back to Hopkins because COVID had you know, prevented that. Um, I didn't go back until the August of 2020. They ran all the procedures. I knew the result already. Nothing had worked. It did not. It was a, it was a failure. It did, did not work. And they basically said to me, do you want to do it again? And this time we're expending everything we have in our, in our stem cell bank. And this is the last shot. And I said, yeah, let's do it again. So we had to go through all these approvals again, which was just a pain in the ass. Who, who approves it? Who do you have to approve? FDA from? and the internal review board at Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. 
So you have to put a proposal together and, you know, all these different, you have to put all these protocols and everything. But anyway, so I finally got the approval and I went in in the first week of September uh, of 2021, just a few months ago. And they injected 650 million stem cells into my esophagus, except this time they put it into the thicker muscle region because they worried that the, the, the stem cells had kind of leaked out on the last one. It didn't get fully injected. So they injected in the, the, in the region, the thicker muscle lining. Okay, so that happened. Uh, I couldn't eat for like three days, you know, because they wanted me to be careful. And they told me, don't expect anything for 8 to 12 weeks, if anything at all. Three days later, I decided to eat my first meal. And I took a bite with no expectation. And I went, oh, my God. That went down easier. Wow. Holy shit. And, Three days. And I went, oh, my God. Well, I don't know what's going on. And so I proceeded to start, obviously, over the next few weeks, trying different things, eating different things. I'm about 30 to 40% better. And the way that this disease works is clear. Um, it never, the, the symptoms never improve. They only deteriorate. So uh, this is a terrible comparison. If you can give me a better comparison, I'm, I'm open to it. But I don't have anything that's life-threatening now. But like, like ALS, right? When people get ALS, it, it, you never hear someone improving on it from ALS. They either stay or they deteriorate, right? That's the kind of disease that I have. It's not ALS. It's not the same thing. I'm not trying to compare it. It's not apples to apples. But the deterioration is the same. It's not like you, you know, some people get um, autoimmune diseases and then they change their diet and boom, they go away, right? That, that's not what I was under, like, so I have seen this erosion for about 11 years, and it's, it's mentally it's been way draining on me. And it's depressing, right? Like- very, yeah. And I don't talk about it because I try to stay positive, but if I'm to be honest, it's not the easiest And situation. Phil, you, you are actually one of the most positive people I know. Like, I always enjoy talking to you. I always feel better after talking to you. That's the sign of a positive person to well, me. Thank you. And you've been, you know, we had known each other about a year or so before I knew that you were suffering through this. Yeah. But when you imagined like five years later, let's say you didn't do anything and five years later, you have to have your esophagus removed right. and a feeding tube. Yeah. What would you, I mean, obviously that's depressing. It's stupid to ask, but like what specifically would you think or feel or would you avoid thinking about it or? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't even go there. So, I mean, I made this proclamation in February of 2017 that I found a cure to this thing in five years. I haven't found a cure, but four years and nine months later, I'm, improving. Now, we don't know. I won't go back until January to Hopkins, and then they're going to scope it. They'll do a bunch of tests. They'll figure out what's going on. But I do know that my symptoms have improved. And that has, I don't think that's ever happened in the history of this disease. And it hasn't improved 10%. It's like 30 to 40%. In a weird way, for example, I can eat a protein bar now and not have any water. That I couldn't, I would have to take one bite of a protein bar and drink three big gulps of water in the past. So something is drastically different. I can't put my, uh, you know, because wow. I can't see it. That but. is unbelievable. And it makes you wonder then uh, a lot of things. One is, why would they ever uh, uh, regulate stem cell research? when like here, here, Stem cells are like this magic, these magic cells. They basically are, are empty cells with nothing to do. They're shot into your body, and they're being told by your body what to do. And in this case, they were... They basically are potentially, we don't know for sure, but potentially they're replacing the dead nerve cells that were yeah. in your 
esophagus. Maybe. So it's, it's a miracle drug. Why to, do you think they ever would regulate this? I, I don't, one of two things really with mine, and then I'll answer that, is, is either it has healed a lot of the scar tissue that has caused so much of the blockage, right? Or something is functioning again. We just uh, it's one of those two things we just don't know. Why can't you take an X-ray and send it to well, Hopkins? I, I will, you? but they want to do it at their hospital, and and I, there's no opportunity to do that until January. Okay. So, and I did do. I actually did go to the Mayo Clinic a couple weeks ago, and they did one X-ray, and they did think they. I mean, again, they can't really tell until they do it. Scope me and take a camera down there, but they found that the the first half of my esophagus seems to have enlarged in a, in a better way. They just don't know what that means. Yeah, what, what enlarged, like there's more muscle, there's more There's just tissue. more, I don't know the right word for it, but they, there's more room in there and they don't know why. That, a year ago when they did the same scan, it was more narrow. So something is larger. happening. You, you're, yeah. they're, they're seeing something different yeah. that, that usually you don't see something different. Right. And you, whether it's placebo or not, you are experiencing better symptoms. Your symptoms seem to have improved. And you, you are using the language of my doctor, placebo or not. And, and I, I tend to say, you have to say that, placebo or not. But the fact is, is I've lived with this for 11 years. I, I so have, you know. I, I know. Like, I know. Right, it's not this like is, you could talk yourself into like eating I, better. I can't. It, it, you eat one bite and you feel like you're going to choke. Oh, now God, I can no. eat three, four, five, six bites, and then I have a little bit of water and it goes down. So so, so there's a couple of uh, interesting things with this. Mm -hmm. One is, let's say it worked partially, like 20%, yes. 30% better. Right. Technology is always improving, particularly in biotech right. and stem cell research and genomics, which all overlap. This is something that's not just growing 5% a year, but it's like doubling in effectiveness every year. So right. if something partially worked this year, then yeah. two years from now, you, you, there's going to be a lot more understanding. There's going to be a lot more ways to, to do this. And you, you, the fact that there's any improvement at all means they're in the right direction and that's only going to get better. So congratulations. I think I'm feeling very optimistic. I was thinking about you all this week because I knew Thanks. you were coming up on the podcast and uh, I was really thinking about this illness because we yeah. always talk business, politics, yeah. this kind of stuff, but this is really like the most important thing going on in your life. And uh, I wanted to see how you were doing. Yeah, I mean, but you know, the, you know, I learned a lot of lessons with this um, with this disease before COVID, right? Like the doctors at the Mayo Clinic six years ago laughed at me when I said, how about we try to find a cure? And they laughed at me. And they said, there is no cure. Take your medications. The medications they had prescribed have long-term dementia effects. And they said, but they're good in the short run. And they're like, just take your medications and we'll see in six months. And I'm like, no, I really want to try to figure out how we can cure this for you know the millions of people that have it. And they go, there's no chance. Now, this is what the doctors at the Mayo Clinic, and I don't harbor resentment. They have to see 100 patients a day. They literally yeah. group me with everybody, including 70 and 80-year-olds. And I, I, should, I should add too, and I'm sorry yeah. to always interrupt, the Mayo Clinic, you, I know you're not saying anything bad about them. This is like, this is like, this is like Disney World for medicine. It's the like, best hospital in the world. It, if, it's if, an. Um, you know, I, one I, I visited there once for my wife had to get a procedure there, and it's like every floor is like another universe of yes. medical treatment, and you could you could stay there for weeks and be like get every test and blah blah blah. But uh, the other, but here's the thing though: why didn't they just think? Basically, my gut reaction was stem cells. I mean, I've had enough stem cell people on this mm -hmm. podcast to know that it's not a cure-all, but 
it is a, a huge hope for something where cells are dying. This is, the, this is what stem cells are for. Right. And so now the question is, what am I going to do with this? And so obviously I'm, I'm talking to other people and working on other ideas that I want to use while I have some stem cell front. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Like what? Um, well, there are other ideas out there on the stem cell front. I'm sort of in the research phase. But I've been talking to a lot of people on the side just about, like, do I do this procedure again? Here's the thing. My stem cells are old, <laughs> you know? You need young stem cells. They'll work harder for you. And so the question is, is there other, are there other places I go that don't have much risk that I could try um, on this as well? And so I'm Can't just looking at Can't you get like fetus stem cells? Don't they have like banks mm -hmm. of those? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the question is who would inject those into you? And that you can't really do that in the U.S. Why? Because that would be illegal. Why is it illegal? You'd have to ask the FDA and Congress. But, you know, you can use stem cells in the U.S. to, um, to you know, if you have shoulder surgery, you can use stem cells, knee problems, you can use stem cells, more of a healing mechanism. Um, but you would have to go to... Panama or the Bahamas or over, you know, maybe. Would you consider doing that? Mm-hmm. Panama's got a very good medical system. Mm-hmm. There's a great stem cell clinic in Panama, but there's some people here. Again, this, uh, this is what I'm just trying to figure out right now. Like, okay, great. This part worked. I'm not done. <laughs> you know, like, where are we going to, how are we going to make sure I go from, let's say, a 30%, 40% improvement to an 80% improvement? So I'm just trying to work through that right now. Let me ask you a question. Just why wouldn't you just get on a plane right now and go to Panama or, or let's say in January when you saw that this worked? I'm just going to take my time okay. and, and, and be comfortable with my decisions. I'm not going to rush into it. It's my, I get one esophagus if I did something and it caused a, yeah, uh, you just don't want to, you don't want to rush this. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I 
really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What else do you think can be done now with stem cells? Can, you know, you mentioned for if your shoulder hurts, whatever, but like yeah. what other illnesses, like, uh, is this, could this be a cancer thing? Could stem cells crowd out cancer cells? Yeah, you, I'm the wrong guy to ask that. I'm just so narrowly focused on what yeah, was going I on with it. me that I just kind of understand the, the law behind stem cells, but I, in, in the sense of what's legal and what's not. I don't know why it's legal and why it's not, and I don't know what else is out there. Can I get stem cells in my brain to get more myelin so that I mem my memory improves? Sure. I have no All idea. Right. No, actually, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's, I feel like, you know, everybody talks about, oh, AI and yeah. crypto and automated cars. But the reality is between stem cells and genomics, over the next 20 years, this is going to be the thing that changes our daily lives more than even technology than yeah. you know the smartphone or the, the you know the right. ipad or whatever like everything is going to change because like, all the cutting edge anti-aging research stem cell research genomics research i don't know why people just don't throw all their money in a basket right. of like 20 genomics and stem cell stocks 
18 of them will fail out of the 20, but the two that don't fail are going to be $5 trillion market cap. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure on your show, you're going to have, so Peter Diamandis and Tony Robbins are writing a book right now. You just, you just said music to my ears. Yeah. So they're coming, it's going to be out in February, but I was talking to Peter the other day about it. And obviously I talked to Tony too, but they, um, uh, I, I think this is the conversation you need to have with them because those guys know so much about the stem cell world. And they're invested and they created a company called Cellularity, which is a publicly traded company now. Oh, and bo- both of them are friends of the podcast. So yep. I and mean, Peter's, both of them have been on quite a bit. So Phil, I'm really glad. And like, there's, there's again, other things I want to unpack in this. One is the idea of declaring for yourself, I'm going to have a moonshot. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to create the first you know, human robot <laughs> that I can have sex with or whatever. Uh, it, it, it could be something just in your life. Like if you're 60 years old and want to run a marathon again, that's a moonshot. You know, you might have to study or do or train in ways that no 60 year old has ever trained before. I don't know. I'm, I'm making that up. No, or, you know, the key is, and Peter really was right when he mentored me in, in a way, because we spent time together going over my moonshot. He really helped me, introduced me to a lot of people. But one of the things he said is when you create a moonshot, just create two or three things that you'll do immediately to get momentum, right? So for me, I'd never told anybody outside of my family I had this disease. So I wrote an article in Inc. Magazine proclaimed I'd find a cure. Now, now I'm on the hook, right? Like I can't back out of this now. Like I had to go for it because I just put it out there to the world, right? It's kind of like when people declare on Facebook they're going to lose 80 pounds and they do a before action, you know, before picture and they say check back in 90 days. Like you kind of back yourself into a corner. Yeah. No, that that's okay, so there's the declaration. So okay, let's 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 deconstruct what a moonshot is. Yeah. So there's the declaration and there's um uh doing something so so people could hold you accountable. Now, well, that yeah, doesn't... The, one, one thing on the on the bigger thing, though, James, is yes, the moonshot was about me finding a cure to my thing, but really the moonshot was trying to find a cure for the disease itself so that millions of people could be. So you have to have a larger purpose is my point. It can't be like, you know, I, I want to show the world that a 65, like one is like, you want to run a marathon at 70? I want to show the world that 70-year-olds can run marathons and inspire others to run. Like It's got to be more than just, I want to do it for me and then be done with it. Does that no, make sense? I, I, I agree. So for instance, uh, for me, I'm really into the idea. Uh, the reason I bring up the marathon is because it's it's similar to, this isn't a moonshot, or not like yours, where it's uh, a life-saving thing. But I, I I'm trying to achieve something that shows that it that's for me, but it shows that adults can improve when everyone says adults can't improve. So, for yeah. instance, let's say I want to—I say to myself, I want to be a grandmaster at at chess. Okay, nobody ever started at an, an older age and mm. succeeded at this. And my whole thing is using the techniques in what I write about and skip yeah. the line. And 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 the techniques talked many times on this podcast. Uh, I want to use those techniques and show that it can be done. That adult, particularly with when 55 million people were laid off from their careers and are looking for to return to their passions of their youth, I want to show that it's possible, that it's bullshit, that you need to be 17 years old to be a prodigy right. or whatever. So, so yes, you have to connect. But the, the idea that it's something important to you is important as well because that gives you more of the motivation on days when you're feeling unmotivated or days when you're feeling down. If it's something that's important to you personally, even though it's connected to a larger purpose, it helps you 
to take that next step that day, even if it's a difficult yeah. day to do that. Right. But that's good though. Let's unpack what is a moonshot. Like, so there's a larger purpose. There's, I think there has to be a component of you that's connected to you too, that makes you particularly passionate about it. Mm -hmm. But what makes it a, what gives something a moonshot quality? There's a bigger purpose and that you're trying to change something in the world as well as trying to change it within yourself. Trying to change something in the world is a good yeah, I mean, you know, again, Peter has a great definition of it. It's very simple. Take something that people say is impossible and make possible. Right. And I like that definition. I don't think it's, I don't think it is complete in the sense that, you know, like you said, moonshots haven't been done before and because uh, people thought they were impossible. So it has to be so personally motivating as well as kind of macro motivating yeah. that you keep on going and doing something that is considered impossible. Yeah. I like this idea of declaring it because you're setting it in stone. This is what you're going to do. It's not just something in the back of your head where if you don't do it, nobody knows. And then I like you, I like the idea of doing it so people could hold you accountable. It doesn't mean you'll succeed. Maybe you'll make a fool of yourself by not succeeding. You know, if you're trying to lose 40 pounds, well, you put here's them before the thing. picture. Will you make a fool of yourself or do people really not give two shits about anything? Like, people, yeah, I agree with you. People like my story, but they don't care about me. So if I failed, they wouldn't be like, ha, 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 he failed. Like, no one, they moved on with their right. life. They haven't right. thought about it since they read it four, but, and a, four years and nine months ago when I declared it, right? But, but still that accountability is, yeah. is interesting. And then, um, uh, and then doing two or three things to mark up quick successes is good to show that the next steps are at least possible. The first steps are possible. Right. So I wrote that article. And then the other thing I did is I reached out to all these, stem, started interviewing stem cell clinics around the world, trying to figure out just to understand and educate myself. So those were the two momentum ideas that I put in, um, in place. And Why did you think stem cells? So when I Googled the disease, when I got back from that conference, um, I, I realized I had never, think about this, I'd had this disease for six years and I'd never Googled it, mm -hmm. ever. Mm. You know, I just outsourced it to doctors and said, well, they'll, they'll figure it out. I'm at Mayo. They'll figure it out. Um, and so when I Googled it, I found that there was some research back in the late 90s and early 2000s that said stem cells could be... Um, you know, a treatment to improve conditions or even cure the disease. That was, at that point, that was 17, 18 years ago when I looked at it. But there had been nothing in 17 or 18 years. It wasn't like there were other studies. Wasn't, uh, there was nothing. It was just uh, sort of a theory of doctors. And so I said, well, I'm going to take that theory and try to put it in place. And so, and so, okay. So that you, you interviewed That's where I clinics came up with it. to yeah. to learn more, right? And, uh, and and here you are. Did you did you look into three D printing an esophagus? Like what other things did you? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, there's a, a doctor, um, and oh god, I don't. He may be at Duke or North Carolina or somebody. His name is Tony Atala, and he had a TED talk on three D printing of appendages. And um, Peter Diamandis introduced me to him. Wow. And we we talked. So he actually interviewed my Johns Hopkins doctor for me and just kind of helped that that from that process for me. But like I interviewed a stem cell clinic in Panama that wanted to use placental cells. So, you know, that's uh, like umbilical cords. I use I interviewed a, a stem cell clinic in the Bahamas that wanted to use my own fat cells. And then I talked to the doctor at Hopkins that wanted me to use my muscle cells. So there were three different stem cell ideas. And I had to choose. I had to make 
I had to make a decision at some point. Like, I, which way was I going to go? And I just went, you know, I feel like the U.S. is obviously, there's, their hands are tied behind their back more, but there's more regulation and it's safer. And I just went in that, in that, I went in that direction. And, and so I, I have a question because maybe I just don't understand the technology at all. But um, is it possible to use just like fetus stem cells? Do they have to be from you or can you use like mm-hmm. a random fetus? Yeah, you can use random. And and did you consider that or that's not? No, I did. The allowed. one in Panama, that's what they offered. But okay. what they were offering was for me to do an IV and hope that the stem cells would find its way to the esophagus and heal it. And I just didn't, I just didn't jive with me. I'm like, no, I think it's got to be a direct injection. Yeah. And they're like, well, we don't have anybody to do that. And then the one, the I'll do the, it for you. I'll yeah, just thanks. inject right into I the vein. Really, and I, I super trust that. <laughs> and um, then the one in the Bahamas, they said, well, we'll try to find a doctor that we, we can get that would inject that. And I'm like, hold on, I'm not entrusting my life on. I will try to find a doctor to inject fat cells into your esophagus. So that was hard. And then the one at Hopkins was like, well, you're going to be under the Johns Hopkins Hospital. And we're going to inject it with our doctors here. And I went, you know what? I'm going to have to go there because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like investing, James. Uh, I created something. I, I had a you know I had enough. Um, I had a diverse portfolio there. I had a good doctor. You know, it was a safe procedure with them. Maybe the the other stem cells could have a better reaction, but it wasn't. So I had to cover all my bases. Yeah. You know, and 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 that's kind of how I looked at it. That that's the other thing. The fact that it is directly affecting you helps the outcome because you're not just trying random things just to try it. Like you're really doing your research and yeah. and taking into account the risks, which is important in a moonshot. Like if you yeah. go for the moon and you miss, you'll you die. Yeah. So right. Uh, it, 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 it is very. I, I I get keep getting back to you. It's good, great to have the higher meaning, but it's also very important to have the personal meaning. Um, cause they're, they're, they're connected in more ways than one. And then I think also like you have to know when to give up or pivot or change course in a moonshot. I think there's a lot of moonshots out there where, Absolutely. you know, you, 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 you don't, maybe the moonshot changes, maybe you lose interest in your case, you wouldn't lose interest, but, uh, right. you have to know how to assess every day what's going on with this. Yeah. So, so I think that's, I think that's important too. Now, uh, like if this didn't work the second time around, you probably would start looking at other things. You'd probably would be a little disappointed, and you'd have to deal with the psych- There's a psychology to moonshots is yeah. is dealing with when something doesn't work out the way you want it to. Well, especially uh, after five years. You, one other thing that I think is really interesting. This absolutely is the truth. When I went in in February 2020 for the first one, I literally looked at my wife and I said, "This this is just doesn't make it common sense wise. This just doesn't make sense. I, I don't think this is going to work at all." I just don't. I have no faith in it. And it didn't work. And I went, see, I knew it wouldn't work. And But that's how I felt, right? Um, in August of 2021, before I went in for the second one, I my wife and I were sitting on the sofa talking one night. And I looked at her and I said, it's going to work this time. And she goes, uh, what? And I said, it's going to work this time. She goes, I know, it's weird. I feel the same thing. I go, there's a weird feeling I have. I really believe this thing's going to work. And... I have no idea if that plays into this at all. And I get that, that people would tell me it's a placebo, that, that helped the placebo effect, if, if that's what it was. But that's truly the way I felt, and I expressed it. And something has worked. So I just don't, you know, there's also this mindset of it as well. Well, I'm super happy, Phil, and Thanks. I hope it continues to work. You got to keep in touch with me on, on how things are going when you go visit Johns Hopkins. 
And uh, I do think everybody listening to this, it, I encourage you to think in terms of moonshots because it literally not only changes your life, whether something works or not, no matter what, it will change your life. Because like Phil, in your case, if this second stem cell treatment hadn't worked, I'll, I'll say several things. One is you've researched and learned about the entire stem cell industry, mm -hmm. the, the state of it right now, what works, what doesn't, and you've had personal experience with it. So that was like your downside is that you would learn a huge amount. Your upside, of course, is that the illness is cured and 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 maybe is you're you're used as evidence for how it could cure many many other people. Um, and and the other thing is you learn kind of the meta language for doing a moonshot and that could be applied on some level to your business, to your career, to your relationships. You know, you you know what it takes, you know the watering that is required to make a seed grow from the imagination to a full garden. Yeah. And and that's a meta skill that many people don't know because you know we're all stuck in our in our daily grind or daily worries and a moonshot is something beyond those daily worries and i encourage everybody to to think in their own lives it doesn't have to be saving lives it could be something as simple as you know you want to do something extraordinary that nobody's done before it doesn't have to be like you're going to save the planet but i encourage people to think in terms of moonshots and and i think it's really exciting we've I know Phil, you and I have talked about this before, but I'm, I'm more emphatic than ever about this style of thinking. Mm. And now Phil, for part two of this podcast, I want to talk politics. So are you ready? Yeah. And we can talk about, uh, trends in the economy as well. Cause I've got, I'm, I'm updated on a few things to, to update your, the one thing, feedback I always get is Please keep talking about with all teacher. Every time I'm on, I get emails like I re that really helped me. What you found out in the data with the, the economy and so on. That, that makes me happy because I, I often, you know, I do this podcast in in a little basement here, and I often don't always get feedback or or look for it. Really, I don't really go on social media that much. Oh my god, yeah, I get so much feedback. Stay tuned for part two, where Phil starts gaming the economy, politics, and everything in between. <laughs>